one of the biggest things that I see is there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are dabbling in too many things. And what I like to say is less is more. Um, like if you could focus solely on one thing, you could incrementally move that needle 10 times further. Welcome to the Colin with Colin Show. This is your co-host, Digital Jeff. And if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, and want to learn what it really takes to hyperscale your company, then this episode was made for you. Colin will go into what skills and traits he believes has allowed him to build Redline Steel to over $100 million in top-line revenue in only five years. Colin bootstrapped this company with his own money, never borrowed a dime, and has been able to build the number one direct-to-consumer steel decor company in America. But what does it really take? That is the question. Entrepreneurship seems to be glorified on social media, but is it really all sunshines and rainbows? Today's caller is a fellow entrepreneur, Matt Hubble, the founder of Hybrid Canine, a dog trainer and education company based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hubble focuses on providing both B2B and B2C solutions for dog trainers and dog owners to achieve lifelong results with man's best friend. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Matt Hubble calling in from Raleigh, North Carolina to the show. What's up, everyone? This is Matt Hubble calling in from Raleigh, North Carolina. And my first question for you, Colin, is in hindsight with building Redline Steel, what has been one of the most impactful hires that you've made thus far? Man, it's a great question, Matt. Good to have you on the show, man. Um, I would say for me, there's a lot of things that I know that I'm not good at. And so hiring people that are much smarter than me takes a lot of humility. Um, you know, early stages of a business, you have to, to take on a lot of responsibility. I'm, I'm the freaking janitor. I'm learning how to run CNC equipment. Um, I'm having to fulfill packages. So uh, what I would say is that the most impactful would be hiring a recruiting firm was extremely uncomfortable. Um, I didn't really think about well, why would I spend this much money, right? I mean, you're talking like 15, 20 grand to hire somebody as an executive. But when you hire the right people and you put them in the right seats, like the entire game for you completely changes. I can't say that there's one pivotal person that's like a key role responsibility. But I, what I would say is that hiring a recruiting firm on the front end massively changed my business. Uh, it's not like the right people um, are going to be on Indeed looking for a job. Really, you have to headhunt them. They're already uh, or they're coming to you and you already have some type of background knowledge experience with them that's vetted. So um, that would be, I guess, my overall answer. But, you know, there's there's definitely layers to it, you know, scaling from uh, which first year we did almost a million dollars, second year did over 10 million and just continued to scale. Uh, now we're a nine figure business, but uh, there was always like new chapters. You're going to have to put in new leadership. And so kind of separating yourself, I'm still deeply rooted into um, a day to day, not necessarily like a micro standpoint, but like my focus is more 
holistic, um, bigger picture. And now we've got multiple tiers of leadership uh, now that we're running 24-hour operations, two facilities, 150,000 square feet, uh, over 100 employees. So there's just a lot of levels to it. But I think a lot of people watching right now, they're not at that point, or maybe um, they are. And I would just say for myself, hiring a recruiting firm and thinking strategically on headhunting itself um, is, has been a big move change for, um, for the employee side. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I think it, that's a it's a less common answer, I think, than one would, would typically give because a lot, I think a lot of people are, at least in, you know, when you're starting your business, like in the phase that, that I'm in, it's trying to think of who you would delegate to first. But sometimes it's hard to have that discernment when you don't have that foresight. So actually, that's a really helpful answer. I appreciate it. And Absolutely. at the tail end of that, you kind of led into a nice segue into what my, my second question was, which was in terms of being strategic and, and you know, kind of making smart decisions. I'm curious, you know, what kind of frameworks for decision making that, that you implement that have helped you to kind of stay aligned and stay on track with with the bigger vision for what you've had? Um, I remember you speaking on, you know, not really knowing what you were getting into when you had started. And um, I feel much that way in the business that I'm in. I'm currently building a, a dog training company, but rather than focusing on just training dogs, we really focus on media and, and education and trying to shift just what it means to be a, an active participant in a, in a dog's life as an owner. And so I'm curious um, what kind of frameworks that you've implemented to try and stay aligned to the course and the development of your, of your companies? Yeah, so great question. I actually, uh, Alex Sharfin, he's a friend of mine. He did a post a few days ago and I, I went over this with him pretty in depth. And what I say is it's, it's, it's the three D's to creating a, and developing your vision, making sure that it comes to, fru like, to fruition. And the first D is knowing the distance. The second one is your direction. And the third one is distractions. And I'll go over each one. So like the, when you have a vision or you're wanting to create something, you've got to know the overall direction to travel. You've got to know the distance that it's going to take. Put that milestone within your, your mind and say, this is achievable by X year, right? Three years, five years, I want to be at blank, whatever that is. Uh, and then the direction is, it could be specifically towards like your demographic focus, who is your targeted audience. And then you can go primarily towards this one, think of it like the 80-20 principle. Like Redline Steel, we started with steel products, but now we're getting into, I mean, we sell about 100,000 shirts a month, thousands, tens of thousands of canvases. Uh, we're about to get into like uh, welcome mats really anything within the decor space. So it's just been a catalyst, but it started with like a very clear line of sight. So those three Ds, and then the last one is distractions, AKA opportunities. That's a, a big quote, AKA opportunities that come knocking on your door. If it doesn't align with your big picture and it takes away time, effort, energy to the bigger vision, it's a distraction. And I really don't give a shit if it's about like, your family, your friends, if it's a distraction that's gonna deter you from hitting that direction of where you want to go, the distance it's gonna take, it's a distraction and you need to tone it out. So that would be my answer to those that are really just trying to, once their vision's crafted, knowing exactly how long it's gonna take, know your avatar, know your demographic, know what type of product lines that you can go that's gonna fit that niche and then no distractions if it requires your time. And I would say this along with that, like 
Um, I, I'm a little bit more strict on a lot of, like I'll, I, I, I do not travel during fourth quarter um, unless it's like a huge um, deal. Like I'm gonna have to be at the White House. I'm gonna have to be on a massive TV show. It's gonna have to move the needle. I don't do any traveling weekends. It's like a requirement. I already know mentally, I'm not gonna be off until January, February for even one day. Not a whole weekend, but like that, but I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I know with my distance direction where I wanna go and it's not gonna be an easy road. Um, but that's, that's kind of what my framework is, are those three Ds. And then, you know, another thing is like, I look at it as a gantry chart of like an X, Y axis. So think of like your straight up and down could be your X axis of time, uh, effort. And then the, uh, at the top could be your, um, the amount of stress, anxiety that that's gonna take. Now on the right side, your Y axis could be the reward side. And the reward doesn't have to be monetary. It could be something that you're passionate about. So my framework on this is if it's less than five, on time, effort, energy, and on the y-axis, it's less than uh, five on the reward side, whether that's monetary or purpose-driven, I, I genuinely want to do this, I won't do it. I'll delegate it to someone else. Is it worth my time to do it? Is it worth my time uh, to do dishes? No, it's not, I'll hire somebody. Is it worth someone to, uh, come and cut my grass so I don't have to spend the weekends doing it. Yes, absolutely. Is it worth paying my haircut lady every Monday at 4.30 p.m. to come to Redline to cut my hair? Time, effort, energy, reward. Yes, it is. So you get to this place where it's like, I, everything has to move the needle and you're very time sensitive to everything that you do. It's extremely structured. Like even this call we're on right now, uh, it, it went through multiple people for us to get this lined up because you you manage your time and you start structuring it and allocating it and it's on the calendar and if it's on the calendar it's like as good as gold for me um, I try not to shift and deter everything is extremely structured so hopefully I give some insights on that no absolutely to me uh, the way I absorb that is that you're you're looking for opportunities and, and ways to spend your time that you're gonna over index on you know in terms of output um, and it kind of runs through, through that filter, generally speaking, with the, the measurable thing being, you know, time as the, as your most valuable resource, which I think is probably applicable to a lot of, uh, I know myself, but I'm sure most people out there that are, you know, looking to build a business and, and build a, a legacy. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And I, I think, uh, to add to that, like that, one of the biggest things that I see is there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are dabbling in too many things. And what I like to say is less is more. Um, like if you could focus solely on one thing, you could incrementally move that needle 10 times further. So when I see people starting, oh, they're in four or five businesses, uh, and it's not just passive where they are, they're an investor and they don't have to spend time on it, but if they physically have to create startups and you know, every other day it feels like they're creating one, it'll, they'll never be successful because the needle is not moving. It's like you could do, when you're overtasked and you don't know that distance and direction and you don't prioritize, your time is spent and you're like 50% here is completed. 
and you, you, you really don't know what to even start next. And so you're always like, well, what if I did this? Oh yeah, that's a great. And so these opportunities, quote unquote, are true distractions. Pick one thing and go all in, you know, unless it requires very little of your time. If I could say, all right, this is gonna be successful. I believe in this person. Here's $50,000 and I'll be an investor in your business, but I'm gonna step back and I'll just be a board member. And once a quarter, I'll jump on a call with you for two hours and I'll be a part of your board. So unless it's something like that that requires very little uh, of your time, I think it's gonna be a very challenging road. Absolutely. That it, it once again kind of leads into the, the last question I had, which is, you know, I feel like that's, I know as you talk about that, it's certainly something that through my journey of entrepreneurship, I've had to kind of learn to to understand and discern those opportunities more thoroughly. Cause I think, you know, when you start out, you're starry eyed about everything that comes your way. And, you know, I think um, a lot of entrepreneurs that myself include tend to be opportunistic when we start out. And we learn that through not being able to push that needle um, to get more laser focused. But I'm curious in your life, you know, what soft skills that you've had to develop, um, you know, as an entrepreneur to achieve the success that you've now seen, you know, growing a nine figure plus business. There's so many layers to it, man. It's hard to say one thing, but I would say that being comfortable in uncomfortable situations has like propelled us that much further. What was scary three years ago isn't concerning at this point. So like uh, paying a $200,000 credit card bill, it's not even a big deal or to spend a million dollars a month in marketing. uh, I couldn't even fathom that three years ago, four years ago, but we're only five years old as a company. And so there's layers and you just start to kind of like, but what I love is, is like as an entrepreneur, you go through hard, challenging times. Everybody does. Lottie dottie, everybody. And there's massive highs. And then there's beyond ground level lows. And you look at yourself like, how the am I going to survive? Like, what did I get myself into? And you start to question at times your own ability. Now, the beauty of this is, over time, it becomes like a, a stepping stone where you're like, you know what? I, I, I killed it last year and I went through really tough times. This is nothing. I can get past this. When COVID hit, you know, I'm not selling physical products like Germex and they needed this shit. I'm selling home decor products in the middle of March when it's not gifting season for Christmas. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? I got to pivot. And so you know, transitioning to like pressure and coming out on top is going to propel you that much further. It's going to like, you'll be able to look at things different holistically and say, you know what? I took this on and I crushed it. This is nothing. I can get past this too. And so I think there's just layers of like um, separations that uh, allow you to move immensely faster based on predicated faith and some historical data to know at this time I'll be able to get X accomplished, whatever that objective is. So um, that, that's kind of my biggest thing uh, that's helped us propel is just being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Uh, I Most people don't know it, but I volunteered for all three of my tours in the military and uh, jumping from company to different battalions just to go over 100 combat missions. And I kind of like just genuinely thrive under that type of pressured environment. 
Um, I did a USO celebrity tour with uh, C.T. Fletcher and Eric the Trainer to uh, Turkey, which was right next to Syria. Actually, no, it was Jordan. Uh, so we flew into Turkey and then into Jordan. And I would go back to Afghanistan, even with everything going on tomorrow, to support the troops. Like, I'm not afraid to take on any challenge, period. And so I think when you have that mindset, that framework as an entrepreneur, um, or just in life in general, uh, and, and you're that type of guy, think about law enforcement. They hear gunshots, most people run away from it. I'm the type of guy that would run towards it. Um, and if you have that framework, that's a hell of a thing that's it's challenged just to be taught, but I think it's kind of like um, over time you become kind of more and more comfortable in those type of, of um, environments. So Matt, if you were to die tomorrow, what do you want to be known for? Huh. And that's a good one. I think, I think throughout the years, you know, I have um, certainly been someone that's jumped from project to project and skill to skill. And when I was younger, I used to, to beat down on myself from, you know, what I perceived to be uncommitted to different skills. But in hindsight now, you know, with the work that I'm doing now, especially in the canine education space, you know, I've seen that it's really that that context of having worked on so many projects and in so many different capacities that's allowed me to have this, you know, unique ability to tackle this uh, problem that I'm, I'm looking to solve. So you know, if I were to die tomorrow, I'd think I'd want to be known for, you know, in one, in some capacity, being able to help revolutionize, you know, uh, the way that people live with their dogs. But from a more, um, you know, esoteric place, I think I'd just like to be known of being of service to people, you know, of um, being that person that, you know, was just there for people regardless of the, the situation and I showed up and put my best foot forward and, and helped to push the needle, you know, even on their objectives, even if it was at no interest of my own. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you got value from this, I would encourage you to leave us a five-star review. It helps us spread the word of our show, Colin with Colin. Also, connect with us on social media, at Colin Wayne one and Digital Jeff. If you tag us across social media with today's episode, screenshot this episode, post it, and we'll be reposting it. Be sure to tune in. Episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We'll see you on the next episode. Hey, I see you. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't. I don't see you, but if you want to see us on video, go to our YouTube channel, Colin Wayne. Search that, and you'll be able to see all of our episodes in video format. Hop over and be sure to subscribe. Colin Wayne in the search title.